Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this week's episode of We're on remote. First time in 2021. Steve, the down here at Nate Waits Subaru, our beloved sponsors. Without them, none of this would be possible. 1207 South Main Street, nateway.com. They're America's oldest Subaru dealership. And hey, look, here's the deal. They're after used cars. The used, mar- used car market is sizzling hot right now. If you drive a used car, thinking about getting yourself into a 2021 Subaru model, give them a call for crying out loud. They'll look after you. There are people out there. And this is a true story. There are people out there that have been driving older Subarus that have given them that phone call, and they've gotten into 2021 models for the same price and sometimes, believe it or not, cheaper prices than what they were paying on an older model. It makes no sense. Don't ask me how it works. Just give them a call. Tell them Tom and Steve from the It's Utah's World podcast say good day, and they'll give you some extra love. Um... Steve, my man. What up, Tom? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. It's good to be out here, man. It's yeah. so good. First time this year, like you said. This is, uh, feels good. It feels yes. good to be out here. Check Steve out on Twitter, will ya? At sbattle247utone.com's where you can find his best work. Seven-day free trial. If you haven't checked that out yet, you'd be a fool not to, especially if you're a Utah fan. Uh, Steve, we'll, we'll start off on a, I guess... Really, quite sad note: uh, the passing of uh, Utah football titan uh, John Pease passed away tragically uh, at the age of 77 earlier this week. He was uh, 47 years in the coaching gig, both college and at the professional level, and he was beloved by so many, and for good reason. Um, he, he was such a, a special human. I had the fortune of. Being on, uh, being on the roster, being, being up there on the hill uh, while he was coaching in 2015. It was my senior year. He was the defensive coordinator for one year before he hung him up for a final time. And uh, I was I was heartbroken when I heard that news because um, I certainly wasn't expecting it. Last time I saw him, he seemed very, very healthy and uh, just plugging away. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, father time does come calling and his time came. So we wish um, his wife... Uh, everybody in his family, uh, nothing but love. If there's anything we can do, we, we, would, we would gladly accommodate because uh, uh, Mr. Pease, Coach Pease, has been in Apple for a long, long time. He taught me how to tackle. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a pretty tall task, I'm sure, is what it was. Oh, he taught me well, <laughs> let me tell you. He taught me well. I made a couple of them, sadly, in my career. <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget it. It was 2014. It was before he was uh, on the on the coaching staff. He was mentoring Coach Whittingham, and, and he'd often come to practice. And Coach Whittingham would give him assignments um, for the day, you know. And uh, on this day, it was teaching how, uh, the specialists how to tackle, which was probably one of his worst days. I'm sure. I'm sure he, I'm sure he still loved it just as much as any other. Oh, he, he was such a. That's who he was. Oh, he was a beautiful man. And uh, he came in and taught all the specialists how to tackle. And uh, as soon as he told me that I can trip somebody 
it was over. <laughs> I, uh, I said, that's the way I'm going to approach things, and that's, that's what happened. So uh, he's a special, special man, and we miss him dearly. We love and appreciate everything he gave this world. He made it a better place. The world is not better off without him. Um, but we, we send our love to his to his family, obviously. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, he, uh, he finished coaching before I started, you know, at U-Zone, and so I didn't get the opportunity to, you know, connect with him, to talk with him, but Dan Sorensen, my boss, co-worker James Durant, um, you know, they, they talked about how much, you know, Pease would just, would just chat, chat you up, regardless of who you were, you know, what you were doing, he just loved to chat football, he was, you know, a football lifer, he loved everything about it, and you could see it. There were just a number of players that, uh, you know, not only like share their condolences, but were really shooken up by by the news. I, I remember seeing Terrell Burgess the other day posting about it and how impactful John Pease was and his decision to come to Utah. You know, Britton Covey, you know, the local boy, he 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 talked about it as well in, in terms of just John Pease believing in you as a football player. And, you know, it's it's just, it's something like that where, you know, he was such a positive character. Um, and you can see, you know, his influence. Morgan Scally took the time to talk about John Pease extensively during media availability yesterday and talked about how instrumental he was in, in his development as a coach. And, you know, so it's, he's a, he's a guy that maybe didn't spend his entire career Utah, but he is a, a giant in the program, you know, nonetheless. Yeah, I, you just don't meet that many people that were beloved by right. by so many like he was. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even begin to think about, uh, you know, an individual that, that, that didn't enjoy Coach Pease's company. He, he found a way to connect with everybody. He always saw value in somebody, and, and, and he just went about life the right way, which... Yeah. Which is which is ah oh, it's it's easier said than done certainly because everybody has bad days but when Pete's had his bad days you wouldn't know it um, so 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 we love we miss and uh, and we hope his family's hanging in there we're, we're thinking about them uh, tremendously the, the the subject that I really want to dive into today Steve's a, ju- a juicy one uh, and look. You know, full disclosure, we're not going to break any news. We're not going to tell you who the starting quarterback is. It's, it's, that's not for us to do. Uh, if you know anything about Utah football, if we even decide to go down that road, we will likely be ridiculed by somebody within that program for quite some time. So we're not here trying to hurt anybody's feelings. We're, we're not here trying to ruffle the feathers of Carl Whittingham. But this is what I think, anyway, we're allowed to say, and that is that the quarterback competition right now is well and truly alive. This is not Charlie Brewer's team just yet. Cameron Rising is sticking around and sticking around in a big, big way. There is a monumental decision that needs to be made sooner rather than later, and as it stands right now, that decision cannot be made because the battle is too close to call. Um, which begs the question, Steve, and, and we don't need to go into why that may be the case or why it may not. Does Utah football even really need to start a quarterback? Can they play the first... Without a quarterback? No, 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 oh, okay. you That's silly okay. sausage. Can they play the first couple of games at least with two quarterbacks? Can they rotate them? Oh, man, Tom. 
I'm serious. Ooh. Come on. Can they go with a two-quarterback system? Uh, oh, man. That's a tough one. And it's it's tough because, you know, by all accounts, publicly, privately, conversations that we have with people, <laughs> competition is tight. And both of these guys are playing really well. Really well. Uh, so, man, can you just... <laughs> so, the question of, do you need... A tr- obviously somebody's got to start the game, right? Like, so that's that's not necessarily the question. But do do you not unless you run both of them out there? <laughs> yeah, just really throw a spanner <laughs> in the loop. Two two quarterback <laughs> shotgun formation. Can you really back? throw you for a loop? It'd be re- you know if one of them was a lefty. You know, that might be genius. Yeah, that could be something. We, we may you know, have just... I don't know why that's a, a big difference maker, but in my head, it, it makes a lot of sense. We may have just revolutionized the game, <laughs> Steve. We're in the wrong business, dude. we got to go sign a up option, little, A little read option with you know different-handed quarterbacks. That could really change the game. Where you've got, you know, you can pull it, sprint out right, throw it, or you can give it and... The other guy could sprint out left and there. Yeah, I don't know. We're going down. Yeah, okay, anyways. But I like where this is going. <laughs> Personally, I'm a big, big fan. But do can you employ a two-quarterback system in week one? Forget about Great week. Question. Forget about week one. You could do it all through non-conference. You think so? Of course. What's the rush? If you've got two players... Oh, man, I don't think so, Tom. You don't? Oh, I don't think so, Tom. Okay, I like this. So, so where's your head at? Tell me why. Well, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like obviously you can you can do it if the end goal is simply beating BYU, you know, is beating Weber State, is beating BYU, and beating San Diego State, right? But it's it's more than that, right? Like we've got a full, at least right now, we've got a full twelve game season. You got conference play that you got to get, you know, somebody. You got to get them the reps. You got them playing. You got to get them playing at a, you know, at that elite level in order to, to win those games. You know, against the USC's, against the ASU's and the Oregon's. Maybe not so much ASU. You can probably beat them. That's so that will pull we'll out of that for a while. Uh, <laughs> that is a rabbit hole that I'm not willing to go down. Um, so, but, but so that's that's my thinking is, like. In a vacuum, yeah, you could do a two-quarterback system and probably beat, you know, your three opening games, out-of-conference games. But to me, it's 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 all about building, you know, towards the meat of your schedule and getting through the rest of the season. You need somebody to take hold of that spot and, and getting those reps, those first-team reps, you know, in practice and in games is uh, is crucial. But that, that, that's my point is... Take a look at what happened at the running back position last year as a great example of this. They started yeah. with uh, with yeah. a bunch of guys that, right. that were getting even amounts of reps. Devin and, Brumfield, yes. Jordan Wilmer, yes. Ty Jordan. Yeah, and okay. as the games just ticked on by, one of them one of them rose. The cream rose to the top eventually, and that man was Ty Jordan. And uh, oh, that was my laptop. Ooh. Scared the I don't, out of me. I, I don't know how to turn that off, Steve. Oh. <laughs> Holy smokes! I, I I have no idea how to turn. That's a notification I received. <laughs> I'm so so. I'm not even. I'm not gonna click on anything. 
Stone, by the way, can we turn him up a little bit? Yes. A little, he's a little quiet on here, but... Um, Going back to what, what what I was talking about last year with the running backs, the Kareem Rose and Ty Jordan took the took the reins, and from there on, the rest is history. Ty Jordan was an All-American freshman. He was a superb talent. Now, I'm not saying that could potentially happen with the quarterback position this year, but by all means, Steve, let's not be silly. Let's, let's think about this like rational human beings, okay? This is not rocket science. This is football. <laughs> You have two players right now that are vying for a starting spot. Yeah. They're going back and forth. I guarantee you some days Rising's better than uh, yeah. uh, Brewer, and on other days Brewer's better than Rising. But at the end of the day, when you narrow it all down and you look at the week or the camp as a whole, they're neck and neck. That could still happen going into Weber State. We're only two weeks out. So if that's the case, and both of them play against Weber State then somebody will likely play better. And it may not even happen against Weber State. It might happen against BYU or San Diego State. But you have to assume, a month into the season, one of them's going to be outperforming the other. And that's when you can make a definite decision to, to, to play the starting quarterback. Why do you have why do, why, do, why do we have to limit this timeline to just two weeks? I don't understand. Fascinating point, man. I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's a tough one. And, you know, obviously with referencing the, the running back situation last year, and Ty Jordan's emergence, um, obviously the quarterback position and running back position are a little bit different in terms of what they need to know, right? Like a running back's world is very small, right? In terms of understanding the playbook, understanding assignments. Whereas a quarterback, you got to know everything. you got to know Protection, you gotta know first, second, third, sometimes fourth lead on a play. So, you know, that takes time, that takes repetition. That is uh, kind of the difference, right? Like, so, can, can you do it through Weaver State? Yeah, you probably could. I think, I think Kyle Whittingham would like to get both of these guys reps in game one. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he would. Well, then, but like, think about it. Because if you're BYU and you're you're looking at film from from the Weber State game, I mean, my goodness, you, you you're going to be in in far more trouble trying to figure out what to expect when you've That's got true. two guys that are. So, so this is where this thought came from, Steve. And, and you know, Kyle is all about the gamesmanship. Oh, is he ever? He lives and dies on it. I mean, it's it's his life. It's his livelihood. It's what. He doesn't sleep because of it. Um, I was listening... He stays awake just to contemplate different ways to game it. Yes! <laughs> so I was listening to an interview uh, of Alex Smith. Alex Smith, for those that are unaware, uh, recently signed a deal with ESPN that'll see him covering a variety of um, roles. He'll be doing uh, broadcast work really at, at, at the college level, yeah. as am I, and at the pro level. And so Utah fans should be excited for that. So he was talking about, in 2003, uh, how he kind of got the starting role at Utah. Obviously, Urban Meyer was the head coach. He didn't start the season as the, the starting quarterback. That was uh, Brett Elliott. Um, and Brett Elliott happened to get injured, and that's when Alex Smith came in. The rest is history. Alex Smith went on to have a sensational college career. He ended up being the number one overall pick, and he played... Oh, it was like 17 years or something ridiculous in yeah. the pros. I mean, like, 
he had a very, very long NFL career. But, but it all started because of an injury, and that's how he got his job. But at the start of that season, there was a lot of speculation as to who was going to be the starting quarterback. And when Alex Smith this past week was asked what he thinks could potentially happen at Utah, he admitted, Steve, this is important, he admitted he had not done his homework specifically Come on, on the two quarterbacks. His role at ESPN is brand new. We've got to give him some time. Uh, but he said it's a luxury to have two talented quarterbacks that are good enough to potentially win you football games. He also mentioned there should be no rush to determine who the starting quarterback is. And he suggested that it could well potentially come down to who, uh, who outperforms the other in a live college football regular season game scenario. And I just thought to myself, what, what a tremendous opinion. Because I haven't heard that at all from the local media here. And I'm not bashing on anybody. You don't think about it like that. You think every team... Because here's why. Because I think most of us are programmed to be under the impression that you need one one quarterback to win. Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. And a team that has multiple quarterbacks often doesn't do nearly as well as a team that has one solidified starter that the rest of the team can look for when it comes to leadership, direction, etc., etc. But I don't, I don't know if that's always true, Steve. I just, I just. This is make, like this is getting the wheels turning here. Like eventually, because there's just there's so much quarterback talent out there now, right? Yes. I mean, you see it in the transfer portal. Guys are entering the transfer portal, coming in as four and five star talents. And they're they're leaving after year one or year two because they they don't have the starting job. So, you know, would would a two quarterback system help? Maybe. So here's here's what I do know, and I know Carl Whittingham likes to have one quarterback. Yes. Because I know a few years ago, back when Tyler Huntley was a young buck, there was some concern within the coaches as to who to start, and they wanted some coaches, I should say, wanted to play Tyler Huntley earlier than he eventually played. Other coaches didn't, because what's-his-face was there? Williams. Troy, Troy Williams. Williams was around. Shout-out to Troy Williams. Shout-out. Shout-out. And he was a seasoned vet. He was proven. Right. He, was he, he was a captain. Yeah. He was a leader. But the future was clearly under Tyler Huntley's guidance. And, and, and Coach Whittingham decided that Troy Williams was going to be the starter, although as the season progressed... It kind of started to slip away from Troy, and then that following year, they named Tyler Huntley the starting quarterback over Troy Williams, even though Troy was a senior. You remember all this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So that would suggest that 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 Carl Woodham would like to have one solidified quarterback, because if he didn't and he wasn't so committed to that, he would have integrated Tyler Huntley dis- while leaving Troy as the starter. Because I think we can all agree that Troy Williams was a better. See, uh, senior quarterback than Tyler Huntley was freshman. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that's too yeah. too much of, a, of an opinion to share. I think that I think Troy yeah. Williams was a good quarterback as a senior, and I thought yeah. Tyler Huntley was talented, but he didn't have the experience. He he he, had, he was a, he was raw. You know, there was far more. Um, th- there was a lot more potential mistake from Tyler Huntley than what there was for Troy Williams. Troy Williams was a safe pick. They went with Tyler Huntley. They didn't need to do that. They could have started Troy and played Tyler in moments, but they didn't do that. So I think Carl Whittingham likes to have one solidified quarterback 
And I don't know if that's the right decision when it comes to this 2021 team. That is all I am saying. I'll tell you what, Tom, as you're explaining this, you know, going back and talking about Troy Williams and Tyler Huntley and that quarterback battle, how beneficial it probably would have been if you, know, you played both. I'm thinking like, well, Charlie Brewer's kind of like Troy Williams in this situation, right? He's yes. A lot of, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. Level, right? Cameron Reyes, kind of the same boat. You're in the starting job last year, obviously, coming out of fall camp. But still, he hasn't played a whole lot. Hasn't played a whole lot. Tyler Huntley didn't play a whole lot. So, you know, it's like, man, Tom, you're making some, you're making a valid, you know, pretty good argument here. I am fine for what I believe in, Steve. That's what we're all about it's in this all, country. Yeah. For what you believe in. Yes, I love it. Hey, so, um, what, what, it's interesting. what do you think the deal is with Cam? Like, seriously. Let's have a let's have a serious conversation about what's going because Cam Rising, do we just undervalue what he's all about? Obviously, the fan base hasn't had a chance to see him because he played less than a quarter a year ago. Practices are closed, so 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 nobody can really see Cam Rising play. Right. Do we just not know? Does the fan base just not know or have a have a good understanding of what what his potential is? Because because he was not pegged to have any race in this. Everybody thought Carl Whittingham, Carl Whittingham's going to say there's a quarterback position just out of respect to Cam Rising, but we all know deep down Charlie Brewer's the man. And that's not what neither of us are hearing no. right uh, now. And, and really it says, it does say a lot about Cam Rising, who he is as a, as, a, as a person, his mentality. He's a tough SOB, isn't yeah. he? You know, he's just here to compete. And he's talked about that time and time again. You know, he, he embraces competition. So it says a lot about him in that regard, but it also says a lot about him as a, you know, as a quarterback. Like <laughs> the the willingness to compete doesn't always necessarily mean that you're going to execute at a high level, and and that's kind of the difference here. Is you know he's 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 making this thing tough because he's executing at a high level, right? That's I mean that's what I'm hearing. You know, it's it's a neck and heck race between Brewer and Rising, where you know, both are you know in the reps that they're getting. Making, making good throws, making big plays, and that kind of thing. And, and, and we, we saw it last week. Um, we didn't see it, but Kyle Whittingham talked about it last week at the scrimmage. And just the offense had a better day because of the passing game. And both Cameron Rising and Charlie Brewer both had really good days you know, with the reps that they got, whether it was first team or second team, whatever team they were on, they were executed at a high level. And that really says a lot about these two quarterbacks. Um, you know, and, and it's, man, it's, it's so, you know, it's tough because we, you know, maybe we didn't give Cameron Rising the respect that he probably deserved. Uh, you know, we talked about it being a two, uh, you know, a quarterback competition. But like you said, Tom, we all just kind of assumed that it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And every, you know, and for valid reason, like Charlie Brewer wasn't just like it was going to be given to him. Like he, he was brought in because there was uncertainty about Cameron Rising's shoulder, you know. Injuries are always going to be a wild card, so he was brought in with the expectation of, you know, being the guy that could, you know, take over the reins and be the starter for the year and, and be the guy to, to help Utah win games this season. And through the offseason, through spring camp and into their summer sessions, like, Charlie Brewer continued to, you know, he lived up to those expectations. He did everything that, that was asked of him and executed at a high level in spring camp. You know, we all spo- we all saw the red and white game. 15 for 15, baby. Stop. Okay. 
We're not doing red-white game nonsense. All Everybody right, gets wound up. Hey, I want to read a paragraph for our listeners. This is this is a paragraph that Pro Football Focus, if you're not all that engaged, PFF, if you're not all that engaged on, on social media, they're a platform that uh, does a really good job, in my opinion, and I think you agree, Steve, when it comes to detailing certain players and their trades and, uh, and predicting kind of what, what the future may lie. This is what they said about Charlie Brewer uh, during the summer. Quote, Brewer has been on a downward trajectory since a great 2018 season that saw him have individual success and a 2019 campaign full of team success with Baylor. His new squad, Utah, should try to recreate the 2018, 2019 Baylor offense with more RPOs and play-action attempts to get him going. Brewer did not fit in well with Larry Fedora's spread offense, so he should find a better home in Andy Ludwig's heavier set attack. Brewer's stat line over the past three seasons is curious, to say the least. On straight dropbacks, his average depth of target has fallen precipitously from 11.7 in 2018 to 9.7 in 2019 to 8.2 last season. While his time to throw has risen from 3.09 seconds to 3.11 to 3.38 in that same time frame, his indecisiveness shows up on film, and without being a toolsy player, he will need to start throwing the ball on time to rack up more completions. The premise of that is PFF, Pro Football Focus, basically saying, if Utah gets the 2018 version of Charlie Brewer, they're going to be really, really good if Utah gets the 2019 or 2020 version. They may not be as good as what some people think. I don't know about that, because 2019 was pretty darn good. Um, 2019, that was the year Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss. Yes. They were in the college football playoff conversation towards the end of the season. Who else was in that conversation? Baylor. Baylor was there, you know, and and yeah, so sure, Charlie Brewer may may not have graded out as well according to PFF between 2019 and 2018, but Charlie Brewer in 2019 um, still played at a level high enough to lead Baylor into a college football playoff conversation at the end of the season. Correct. Like, we we all remember coming coming down the stretch with Utah and how close that you know how how intense that conversation was. We weren't just paying attention to. To Utah and the Pac-12, we were paying attention to Oklahoma, to Florida, Georgia, Baylor, all of these other teams in the playoff conversation. And so, you know, Charlie Brewer was leading that for Baylor as well. So he was, you know, he was playing at a good level. Um, but in terms of like the fit, like I think the fit, you know, they talked about him needing to be in an RPO play-action pass offense. That's what Utah is built on: is that play-action pass, that RPO, the zone read. Uh, that is. That is Andy Ludwig to a T, and he's always talked about sculpting the offense around players and finding what fits best for them, right? So uh, they understand. They've done a deep dive into Charlie Brewer, what makes him tick, what makes him, you know, kind of not tick. <laughs> and uh, they know what they need to do to, to get the best out of him. So, you know, it's... it's man, it's... So, so to clarify, I'm, I'm not saying that Charlie Brewer is a bad quarterback. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry if I came. No, 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 no. But by reading that, you would assume he's nowhere. But my point is, right. I, I don't know if he's as good and as talented as a lot of Utah fans thought he was going to be. That 
that is the only point I was trying to make. I think I think he's a really good quarterback. He's experienced. He's proven himself at the highest of level. But is he the quarterback to take Utah to a Pac-12 championship game? And I think what PFF uh, described was yes, he can be, but he also he also can't. Right. It just depends on the sort of Charlie on, on the version of Charlie Brewer that you receive. True. Um, no, it's. Which, which, which could be said of, of anybody, I guess. Sure. Um, you know, and, and really, I think most the diehard fans understand like what Utah needs in the passing game. They don't need some guy to come in here throwing for 260 yards, 270 yards a game. They don't need a guy to, to spread it around. They need some guy that can execute on third downs, can can average about 230, 240 yards a game. That's what they need. They need, they need, a, they need somebody a, to go lights out. They need a game manager. Yeah, yeah. They, they need an Alex Smith, yeah. an, an NFL Alex Smith. Right. Check down King, baby. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably insulting. I didn't mean it like that, Steve. Yeah, the guy went went to how many playoff games and did that? Like, yeah. Uh, but he's a game manager. Yeah. You know, so whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was really but good. No, this is this is a fun conversation, and these are exactly the kind of conversations that are maybe not the exact because you know, they're a little more informed. This is exactly the kind of conversation that they're having. It's like, well, you know, Charlie Brewery's making good decisions with the ball. Is he pushing the ball down the field like we need him to? Or or maybe more than we want to? Cameron Rising, is he making this, the decisions? Is he going through the progressions? Is he finding the guys that he needs to? Right? These are the conversations that they're having up there. And, and again, this is all going to come down to, uh, you know, who gives us the best opportunity to win and to win a Pac-12 championship. In, in my opinion, at least. Without question. You know, this isn't about the future. This isn't about you know getting no. maybe Cameron Rising the starter this year so he's better next. No, this no. is all about yeah. who gives us the best opportunity to win a, a Pac-12 championship more than anything else. Well, I think also what has to play into all of this is is who does the team, who leads this football team? Like, who, who, who do they follow? Um, because that, that has to play a role. And I also think, how how does the offense? How do they play when a certain quarterback's out there? They play faster. Do they play slower? Does it look like they're not quite sure what one particular quarterback's going to do, but they're really comfortable with the other guy? I mean, like that that has to play a significant role as well because that they, they the the entire offense is is involved in in all of this and this this big decision that Andy Ludwig and Carl Whittingham's going to make and and they need to choose the correct player. It, even if that player may not have, you know, the, the most sexy skill set uh, that that maybe everybody wants to say, the leader of the football team, the guy that they can trust, the guy that the teammates trust, the guys that the teammates look to for for leadership. That's, and then of course, you know, the guy that, that also can perform pretty well as well is, is the guy they need to choose. But it can't just be the quarterback that outperforms the other in practice is the winner, because there has to be more that goes into a massive decision like this. Surely there has to be more that goes in. Man, I'm telling you what, Tom. I was I was coming into this conversation like, no, nah, like we need a starter name by game one. You got to roll with it. I'm, I'm telling you, as, as we've been talking, you know, maybe you give Charlie Brewer the first quarter reps, right? Whatever that is, and then you give Ken Rising the second quarter reps. Look at what the NFL does year in and year out, and and and, and as preseason, where we're in the midst of it right now. Turn on a game. I'm sure there are there are probably games going on right now. It's, That's what uh, Cal would hand needs. They need some. 
preseason. Oh, do they ever? Preseason scrimmages or something. You think? You think Carl Woodingham's? You think Carl Woodingham's given away any play? They run any preseason. It's uh, inside handoff every single down, and that's all you're gonna get out of him. Anyway, but they can treat the non-conference slate of games almost like a preseason when it comes to the quarterbacks. They seriously can. They could throw out the walk-on that they have up there against Weaver State, and they'll get the job done. Now, they probably can't do that against BYU, given how many former Utah coaches are down at Brigham Young. Uh, it could, it could, BYU's going to put up more of a fight than Weaver, okay? So they probably can't... They probably, but maybe they could. I don't know. Maybe they could. I, I have no idea. But my point here is they don't need a starting quarterback, and San Diego State they should have no drama with either. Now, come, come Pac-12 schedule... They're going to probably need to have a starting quarterback that they can throw out there yeah. and get into a rhythm. Yes. Uh, but certainly those first three games, what is the rush? I don't know what the rush is. And I don't think there needs to be this massive panic that only two weeks remain until Utah plays Weber State of all teams that a quarterback needs to be starting. It's, just, it's, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense. It's not rational. It's not logical. And it sounds like they could potentially rush a decision that will likely have pivotal implications on the near future and trajectory of this 2021 football season. That's all I'm saying. It's a pretty big saying. <laughs> that's pretty big, Tom. Uh. <laughs> that's massive. And that's why I think there needs to be an emphasis on it. And I, I, I shouldn't say that because there is a massive emphasis on it. But I just, I really hope they don't feel the need to rush the decision. The decision, yeah. it's, like, it's, like when, it's like when you're buying your first home, right? My wife and I, we're fortunate, we bought our first home before the market went crazy. And, ev and everybody told us, when you, when you walk through the home, you'll just know. You'll just know. If yeah. this is the right home, you'll know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And lo and behold, we walked through this one house that we're fortunate enough to live in. And we were like, this is the, this is the home. We yeah. want this home. And we were fortunate enough to get it. It's the same. Like, let that decision organically come to the coaching staff. There's no need to force it. I'm going to need you to cut this clip and send it to me so I can share it with you. Okay. As well. But I'll tell you what, man. I, Kyle Whittingham and Ludwig, they both commented on this kind of kind of thing where, you know, they want a larger body of work to, to base this decision on. I think they're of the same same kind of mindset. I think they would like to have a decision made ultimately before, you know, they get into to season action and all of that. But I do think they, they want to be careful. They want to get as much information as they can with this. And that's why we haven't seen that decision made. Yeah, I, look, I'm fascinated with how it all pans out. It's, and it's a fascinating conversation that, you know, it has an impact, like you said, not just, not even just this season, but potentially down the road as well. Like, you know, it's a huge decision, and it's... It's the biggest decision that they will make this yeah. year, without without question. It's the, Because the starting quarterback on any football team, and I don't really care what level you're talking about, they are, that that is the player, that is the team... Uh, or, or the position, I should say, that will likely have the biggest say on the win-loss record. That, that's the biggest determining factor in your team's ceiling. Yes. You know. Oh. Like, oh man, that thing got me. Again. 
Sorry, Steve. I don't know how to turn it off, man. I deal with it every day. Well, well, for the record, the notification uh, reads, Jupiter to shine bright tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah, so get the old binoculars out and telescope uh, Jupiter. I don't know where you'd find it, but... Uh, Anyway, Jupiter will tell us. Yeah. There you go. Isn't that like a thing, like the whole uh, horoscope thing? Yeah, I, 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 Steve, uh, I What's think. horoscope say? I, I think that's a better question for uh, our wives. I don't know about Kendra, but uh, our Lord and Savior Kate, she's all about the horoscope. <laughs> I'm not, so uh, you're asking the wrong guy. Hey, we're down here at Nateway Subaru, nateway.com. Uh, America's oldest Subaru dealership, obviously. 1207 South Main Street, where you can find them. They've got. A large array of models and vehicles that you can choose from, pricing very, very reasonable. But most importantly, I want to touch on uh, their used car project that they're currently trying to figure out. They, they, want their, they want to get their hands on more used cars. The used car market's hot right now. If you drive an 8-weight Subaru, an older model, and you're looking to get into a 2021 model, they'll do everything they can to make that happen for you. Give them a call and, uh, or just come on down and speak to them about the potential options and you'd be blown away. There are clients and customers around the valley that have come down here, traded in their older model and got themselves into a newer model for the same cost or sometimes even cheaper. It doesn't make any sense, but it's brilliant. They're looking after you. They're trying to keep you guys happy. And uh, and, and, and if you drive a used car, Nate Wade Subaru used car, be sure to take advantage of that. Also, it's, it's worth noting that uh, Subaru's first electric model, it's going to be called the, the Subaru Solterra, is going to be available. Yeah, it's going to be in, uh, it's going to be available in 2022. So if you're uh, if you're trying to next year, yeah, if you're trying to save the turtles, save the planet, get yourself into a bloody Solterra, will you? And stop. Yeah, I'm all about the turtles. Stop. Yeah, don't use a straw, please. Anyway, drive electric. Go on, uh, Steve. I've loved having you as. Uh, as I always do, your presence is is, is beautiful. Isn't it lovely? That's great. Yeah, we can vibe off one another, get the hair blowing in the wind. Not that we, not that I have any. Um, and we get random people showing up to the uh, to the tent. It's always a welcome surprise. Yeah, isn't it lovely? We got our good friend Stone, who's kind enough to uh, act as security. Yeah, he's our security. <laughs> yeah, because who knows what to expect. Uh, not that Nate Wade Subaru is dangerous. It's beautiful. It's uh... <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we got to get out of here, Steve. We love you guys. We'll be back next week, hopefully with more news as it relates to the starting quarterback. Check Steve out on Twitter at sbattle two four seven. Goodbye. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.